Hi, Joyful Health friends. In today's episode, we talk with registered dietitian and the owner of Gratefully Nourished, Alyssa Pike, about ways to nourish yourself without obsession. Diet culture pushes impossible rules, while many who start intuitive eating crave some structure and guidance. Alyssa pulls back the curtain on unhealthy nutrition advice in the media, lays the ground rules for basic nutrition tenets, discusses important practices we overlook, and gives guidance for some simple next steps. We can't wait for you to listen. At the time of this airing, it's almost Thanksgiving. And as we enter the holiday season, we want to help you find peace with God and peace with food, movement, and your body. So instead of planning a new diet this January, let this be your official invitation to try something new. Our 12-week Joyful Health course is open all year, but there's no better time than now to get started. Head to joyfulhealth.co forward slash course to learn more. All right, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Joyful Health Show. I'm Aubrey, registered dietitian. And I'm Casey, personal trainer. And together, we're here to help you discover joyful health by grace. And welcome to this week's episode of the Joyful Health Show. Today, we get to speak with registered dietitian Alyssa Pike about practicing nourishment without obsession. So thanks for being here, Alyssa. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Yes, we are so excited about this message too. Um, So for anyone who may not know Alyssa, a little bit more about her. So she is a registered dietitian. She cares deeply about helping people feel less chaotic around food so that they can pursue the more important things in their lives. So yes, and amen to that. (laughs) She completed her bachelor's of science in nutrition at Pennsylvania Pennsylvania State University and her dietetic internship with an emphasis in nutrition informatics through the University of Maryland. And we might be talking about that too and weaving part of um, her studying that in this episode as well. So in addition to managing Gratefully Nourished, which is a blog and a private practice, which she uses to help people to honor their health without obsession, um, she works for a science communications organization translating some of that nutrition science into um, improving public understanding. So this is a public space where we get to talk about this um, subject of nutrition and nourishment without obsession. And so I think there's so much information out there. And one of the things that we love to do here at Joyful Health is to be able to just lay things out in light of the gospel um, to worship with our not only our spirit, but also with our mind, because God has given us um, our minds so that we can think and explore in um, His creation, and that includes our bodies. And so, Alyssa, we get to be able to talk to you about this today. Um, so tell us a little bit more just about your personal background. How did you get into this field? Um, how did God meet you there? And How do you enjoy helping people with this today? Sure. I will try to keep it short. (laughs) I feel like it's a long story. So I guess first my story is not unlike how a lot of others have struggled with food. You know, we all sort of are growing up in this culture and environment that 
has a particular view around food in our bodies. And so it's very easy to kind of absorb that without realizing that it's maybe untrue or even harmful. And so I can remember being young and and feeling the desire to be loved or feeling like I wanted to distract from a painful experience or control my environment in some way. And turning to food and my body size was just accessible to me. And so I I remember being in like sixth grade or so, I think, when some of the disordered beliefs and habits began, which is, you know, when you're in middle school, I think it's hard anyway. You want to be accepted. Um, and like you mentioned, there's so much terrible information out there that I just didn't know yeah. that what I was about to embark on was going to lead to, you know, X, Y, or Z. Yeah. And so it took quite some time um, for me to unravel a lot of those beliefs and behaviors. Mm -hmm. And I actually went to college not studying nutrition. I think I was just studying English or general communications. And I decided to switch my major to nutrition. Mm. And I'll be honest, I initially wanted to study nutrition, not for the best reasons. I'm sure I'm not alone in this, but I sort of wanted to learn more so that I could further manipulate my body size or my eating habits. Um, and I will, you know, keep things hopefully trigger free. But that was sort of the initial entrance into studying nutrition. And it wasn't until I started running into so many women who were also struggling that I was like, hold on, I feel like we need to, we need to change something here. And so um, it really did take a long time for me to begin to unravel um, my beliefs and, and come to a place where I was no longer abusing food mm -hmm. and exercise, essentially. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I have that in common with your story of <laughs> maybe getting into nutrition for the wrong reasons. Uh but, you know, as you were unraveling those things, and I, I know you said just like observing other people struggling the same as you, um, how did God sort of redeem that experience and um, show you not just, you know, the health harm of that, but also like the spiritual harm and the spiritual redemption through that? Yeah. So it's funny when I when I say it took a while, it really did take a while. So I went all throughout college. I think my beliefs started to change a little bit. So I became a Christian in college. Um, I had kind of grown up knowing that God was real. Never really doubted that. I think it was sort of my personality type. Mm. <laughs> um, but didn't have really a personal relationship or a personal conviction that I wanted to know him and kind of orient my entire life around him. And so when I was in college, I started experiencing that. And so it really kind of caused me, I think, to just get more introspective around all parts of my life. And so I think that was the beginning. And then when I graduated from college, my first job after my internship was actually at an eating disorder outpatient center. Mm. And so it was through college and being involved in a women's organization where I saw so many women also struggling with food and body image. And then being place in an eating disorder outpatient center where I was then working with young adolescents who were struggling, it was just so clear to me that this was 
just so prominent and sort of a universal experience. And so mm-hmm. when I think about where God met me and how I sort of really came to know freedom in this area, I think about, and I have said this on like every podcast I've been on, mm-hmm. but I always think about Jessica Setnick's three keys to recovery. So her first, the first key is a turning point. The second key is a reason to live. And the third key is a new identity. And so if I look back Mm. on my life and how that worked out for me, it was sort of like, okay, the turning point was maybe high school, early college. You know, I realized that this was a miserable way to live, but didn't really know what to do about it. Then we have a reason to live, which is sort of college in that first job where I'm seeing all these other women who are also struggling and I'm wanting to do something about it. But again, still haven't found that true freedom. And then when I realized, okay, this is really about identity. So I need to kind of confront my own identity with the Lord and and figure out, is that actually where I'm finding my identity? Um, And if not, I think recovery is going to be pretty difficult. So it wasn't until I feel like the Lord met me there and sort of redefined my own identity that I was really healed and then mm-hmm. able to kind of continue on this mission. So yeah. I know that it's like a decade of my life that I've just tried to condense very um, succinctly, but I do think that process is is helpful for others as well because they can sort of see those phases or or maybe understand how that where they might be in their own experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I hear you talking about, you know, in that sixth and seventh grade period where you're getting this information and you didn't know how it would lead. Um, And so I think for a lot of us, like we want to be aware now. We don't want that turning point to happen way down the road. It's like, how can we um, kind of be aware of some of those, um, some of maybe some of the information that you're either taking in, we're looking for that might be more on the obsessive side that could lead to um, an an unhealthy mindset when it comes to food. Is there something that people can be looking for now? Yeah. I I mean, this is, this is really tough because we are so saturated with this information. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think about me at age 12, compared to someone else today at age 12, like the amount of information that they have to sift through Mm -hmm. is significantly grander than, than it was for me. So I will not pretend that (laughs) I can, you know, even empathize with, with TikTok and Instagram and, and all these, all these apps that are constantly, you know, coming at us with information. Yeah. But what I will say is I think it's really critical for anyone to be aware of the information that they're taking in. Um, Mm. So I frequently will kind of recommend that people examine who they're following anyway, just to Mm -hmm. be like, you know, is this, is this edifying for me? Is this helpful Mm. for me? Um, So that's kind of the general caveat, but when it comes specifically to nutrition and food and body image, I think a few things come to mind. Um, One if someone is sort of touting a pass or fail mentality when it comes to food or 
or using a lot of very clear, like good and bad language around food and body mm-hmm. image, which of course we know is not very helpful. Um, the, that's definitely a red flag. I think also when people kind of, when people sort of share an experience as if like, well, here's what I did and these are the results mm-hmm. I got. Mm-hmm. Not understanding that lots of people could do the exact same thing and still have very different results. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime we have an elimination of an entire food group, it's a major red flag. Mm-hmm. I know that our culture has sort of misconstrued this this idea of balance. But if we can if we can go back to that with all all of the influences from diet culture, that is kind of what we're going for. Like we mm-hmm. want to have we want to have nuance, we want to have balance, we want to we want it to be practical. We want our choices around food and body image to be life-giving mm-hmm. and not so rigid. Um, and I would say if if someone's using fear in a lot of their messages, would definitely steer clear from that because I know that we all want to avoid disease and live long and generous and prosperous lives. But the reality is there are just so many things that contribute to that. And we can do all the right things like quote unquote, right things. Mm -hmm. And we can still not perfectly craft this life that we're all dreaming of. So I think we have to keep a a healthy dose of reality in mind and and kind of steer clear from from the messages that make it seem like certainty is attainable because mm-hmm. I just don't I'm not convinced that it mm-hmm. is. Yes, a hundred percent. It's like the idea that you can totally control um the outcome through, you know, through what you do is is another really sneaky um sneaky message I feel like that you you have to be aware of so this season Alyssa we've talked a lot about different health practices in light of the gospel and we're just trying to give everyone who's listening a broader understanding of health beyond just food and movement but of course today we have a dietitian on and we did want to use this episode to talk about nutrition um and you've already brought up how we have such an over um supply of information out there. So our goal is to kind of strip it down and get back to what are the basics, like the basic tenets of nourishment um, that we can focus on. So if we're in a place of like, okay, I don't want to get lost in the weeds, but how do I come back to this place of balance um, with nutrition? What are some of those basic tenets that come to mind for you? Sure. So I think this is a great place to start because it can get a little overwhelming. So (laughs) these are kind of what I think of. This is not necessarily pulled from anywhere specific, but a few things that I think of. One is adequacy and consistency. So I think Mm -hmm. it's really, really important. Like if your body's not getting enough food in general, we're going to have lots of issues. So Mm -hmm. adequacy and consistency. Um, The next is pleasure or joy. I do think food is pleasurable. I don't think that it needs to be something that feels really bland and um, arduous. Although Mm -hmm. there are certainly times when we eat things that aren't like the most delicious things ever and that's fine. But I think joy is, is part of that. 
I think practicality is another piece. So whatever food you are, whatever kind of food plan or um, eating pattern that you're adopting, it really needs to make sense for your lifestyle. <laughs> like it needs to be convenient, it needs to be accessible, it needs to be um, reasonable. If mm-hmm. you are really just not finding this is meeting your day-to-day needs, there's no way that it's going to um, be met or kind of kept up long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I would say is, of course, nutrients or nutrition. So thinking about what are my unique kind of needs? What are my unique health needs? And, mm-hmm. and what kinds of nutrients do I need to prioritize Um, Do I have any allergies? Do I have any foods that I genuinely hate? Do I have any health conditions um, that would be augmented with a particular emphasis on this, that, or the other? And I know that gets really hairy um, in the line of work that kind of we've all worked in, but eventually that is part of the discussion. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing I would say is with all these things in mind, we definitely want to be at a medically stable sort mm-hmm. of place. So we want to be um, at a, a healthy sort of weight for, for us, which is not the same for everyone. We want to be getting our period regularly. Um, we don't want to be like losing hair or have really brittle, brittle nails mm-hmm. and things like that. You know, there are some kind of obvious signs of malnutrition Um, And so that I think kind of is tied to the adequacy and the consistency, but I think that's important too, especially when we're working with eating disorders or disordered eating, um, because often people are just so used to not eating a lot. And so Mm -hmm. they have no idea that um, not getting a period regularly is, is an issue. Mm -hmm. So adequacy, adequacy and consistency, pleasure, joy, practicality, nutrients, and then medically stable. I would mm-hmm. say those are my five. Yeah. Okay. So um, what do you see? I, I see all of those as instrumental and none of them needs to be missing. What do you see in your practice as uh, people maybe overlook the most or just don't maybe, maybe don't even think about that would be so highly impactful for them to um, focus on? Yeah. I mean, probably all of them except (laughs) nutrients. (laughs) I Mm. feel like we sort of start with nutrients and neglect a lot of the others. Definitely, definitely the adequacy and consistency for sure is Mm. a huge one. I think a lot of people genuinely don't know that it's okay to eat like three meals and snacks a day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very jarring for them when I share, you know, like, Hey, it, it actually makes sense that you were thinking about food all day because you had, you know, two hard boiled eggs for mm-hmm. breakfast. That's not a lot of food. And I'm just saying that objectively, I'm not mad at you. I'm just saying that's not a lot of food. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's a big one. Um, I think in Christian communities, there is also, it feels disruptive to say that food can be pleasurable. (laughs) I think Mm. that there is sort of this guilt around that. Um, And then I think practicality, I think a lot of people are just 
pretty hard on themselves and they want this sort of perfect meal plan, you know, whatever they've deemed to be perfect. And so they put a lot of pressure on themselves to kind of eat this way and force it to make it work when it's really not working. And Mm -hmm. it's not, again, it's not, it's not a bad thing. It's just, it's just not working right now for your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So I would say those are the kind of the bigger ones that I see missing. And again, I don't say this to condemn or make people feel bad. I say this because it would make a lot of sense that you would focus almost exclusively on nutrients, given that we live in a culture that is basically obsessed with the nutritional content of the foods that we eat. Mm -hmm. So again, this is not like you've done something wrong. It's just like, oh, this, there might be a more helpful way to go about this. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, you know, when they, when people, hopefully when people hear you say that this is a common thing, you see that they won't feel alone now. Um, you know, if we've, if we've discovered that we're not eating adequately or consistently, or we're not allowing ourselves to have pleasure or joy with eating, um, you're kind of in the majority <laughs> of women that we see, especially in, um, in the diet culture that we live in. And then you've already kind of talked about some of those contributing factors of why we don't eat consistently or adequately um, or or why we don't believe we can have pleasure or joy. Could you talk a little bit um, about the spiritual perspective on some of these things, maybe on having pleasure with eating or um, or just nourishing yourself adequately? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I will say, um, I think Ecclesiastes, I think it's 313. I'm sure you guys have are familiar. Um, that is sort of my go-to verse when I'm talking about satisfaction and pleasure with food. Mm-hmm. I want to say it's something like that each of them may find, um, I can't remember the exact verse, but it it talks explicitly about giving yourself sort of the ability or permission to enjoy the food that has been given to you by God. Casey, I don't know if... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just pulled it up. There's a few different versions. I always default to ESV, but um, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his or her toil. This is God's gift to man. Ah, I love that. (laughs) And I, yeah, the book of Ecclesiastes, so good. (laughs) I, I really like the entire book. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's really helpful just to understand that there there is, I think it's, it's helpful to understand that everything that we've been given has been given to us by the Lord. And mm-hmm. so if we can understand that we are not the main character in the story, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we, we can sort of, give up our, our desire for control, which, you know, is, could be a whole other podcast episode in and of itself. <laughs> and that really frees us up to enjoy life's simple pleasures, like eating and drinking, like sitting around a table. Um, and so I just, I, I find it very clear and evident that Jesus liked food. I mean, if we think about the gospel of Luke in and of itself, it mentions foods. I mean, it mentions Jesus interacting with others through food several times. I mean, mm-hmm. we have so many examples of him dining with people, multiplying food, 
using food as a vehicle for fellowship. Like there's, it's just so clear to me that Jesus had a generally positive view of food. I mean, Mm -hmm. it, it just doesn't seem to be any other way. And so I think anytime, anytime we go to scripture and we begin to pursue God's view of the world instead of our own. Mm. I think we realize all the ways, or maybe we begin to realize gently, um, just the ways that our beliefs around food have sort of been um, butting heads with with some of God's views around food. Mm. And I think when we realize all the ways that food is part of our journeying with God and others, um, we we start to reconcile or maybe feel convicted and, and want to reconcile some of the beliefs that we've personally held on to for so long. And mm-hmm. I think that's actually really disruptive. <laughs> like it's very hard to go from feeling like food is just nutrients. It is just something that I should consume and never feel pleasure around and and sort of not try to um, enjoy, it's very disruptive to then begin to shift and see that food could be this vehicle for friendship, for fellowship, for communion, for um, evangelizing. Like there's just so many different ways that food can be used. Mm-hmm. And so I feel convicted <laughs> that food is a gift and it's a good thing mm-hmm. from the Lord. Um, and of course, you know, there's more to it, I think for sure. But that is sort of my foundational um, perspective there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I love that you bring up the Ecclesiastes first because um, I think, yeah, because the whole book is like, there's this man who has pursued all of the things that you can pursue in life. It's like, it's like someone saying, I've read all the things on the internet. I've done all the things that you can do. I've made a billion dollars. I've started the businesses. I've, I've, uh, achieved optimal health, you know, and it's, and it's not enough. And so like going back to what God says is enough and it's going back to him and then like him being able to say, and they're like, the, to be able to enjoy your life is a gift from God. And, and the gift from God is Jesus, you know, and, and Christ is God revealed and like and him being God revealed as a body. And so like we get to look to him and for him to say, take and eat, this is my body, um, you know, brings a whole new spirit of reverence and mystery and awe and something that we cannot control no matter how many books we read or no matter how many diets we perfect. Um, this is something that is the Lord's and we just, we just get to like open our hands and say, thank you. Um, and so how are, we've kind of gone through a lot of like the really, um, big overarching principles. Um, so to continue cutting down the weeds here for people, what are some really helpful next steps that they can take when it comes to, um, honoring their body and the Lord with food and eating? Yeah. So I think that this is where it can get tricky and also very individualized for people because Mm -hmm. it really depends on where they're starting from. So 
though, you know, we've talked a little bit about the importance of nutrients or practicality or, um, you know, wanting to honor your health. I do think regardless, we need to start kind of at the beginning, which is we need to build awareness around our current motives and beliefs and behaviors around food. We need to start to get curious about why we're eating the way we've been eating or maybe what some of those underlying motives or beliefs are. Mm -hmm. And we really need to heal any sort of disordered behavior. I think that really is step one. And that's really tough because Again, depending on where someone is, that can take a long time. And oftentimes Mm -hmm. people just want to jump to, well, you know, I just want to start eating healthier. Like I've been told I really need to do X, Y, or Z. Um, You know, can you just help me get there? And I think as providers, we have to acknowledge that and really see that that's the desire. That's the ultimate desire. Mm-hmm. But I do think it is important to first build awareness and heal any any kind of disordered behavior um, before we move into more of the discernment phase of like, okay, mm-hmm. is this going to be life-giving for me? Like, should I maybe add a little more structure or can I focus a little bit more on incorporating fruits and vegetables or maybe more protein or whatever? But it's just so, it's so, so hard and and sticky, I think, to talk about that on a podcast because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's probably some people who are listening who are in the middle of their eating disorder and they're mm-hmm. like, I want to be there, but I can't do that yeah. right now. Or at yeah. least I've been told. And I don't know if I trust that person who told me, but <laughs> I'm I'm going to try to follow my meal plan. And then you have someone else who might have, you know, might be down this journey for five to seven years, which is the average amount of time that it takes to heal from an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And so now they're in a place where they sort of feel like, okay, I understand that food is not the end all be all. I understand that certainty is not guaranteed. Um, but I'd like to think a little bit more about the nutrition of the foods that I'm mm-hmm. eating on a regular basis. Like, how can I do that in a way that is going to be helpful and not obsessive? Mm-hmm. And and that is hard to communicate about on mm-hmm. social media and on podcasts because it's just tough, <laughs> you know, like we don't know who's necessarily listening. But I think at the end, once we've built awareness, once we've healed our disordered beliefs around food, mm-hmm. once we've begun to talk to God about our body and our food choices and sort of discerned, like, how do I take care of myself The end goal, I think, is just to take really good care of yourself as you're able to. Mm. We're still never going to get to this place of perfection. Like that is not, (laughs) that's not the goal. That's not, that was never the goal. That was sort of um, the lie, I think, that was sold. Mm. So we just want to take really good care of ourselves as we can and as we're able to. And in some seasons, we're going to be able to more than others. I think when you have a bunch of little kids running around the house, it's a little bit harder to focus on, you know, doing all the things you want to do for your health. Maybe as seasons change or kids grow up or whatever season you're in, you know, that becomes more realistic. But I think we have to just understand that perfection was never the goal. It was more the lie that was sold to us. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, uh, you know, I... (laughs) I hear 
that. And I think of this metaphor that someone told me, which this is probably like, sorry if it's too much potty talk, but <laughs> someone told me like, you know, if you're, if you're going to, you want to go and you want to like encourage another believer, let's just, but you have like either the plank in your own eye or, you know, you're just still believing these lies around, you know, disorder around eating and, um, or the person who you're encouraging still has these lies. You may, you could either hand them a pile of poop, like basically, or basically you could hand them something great with like a little bit of poop in it. That was the metaphor I got, which sounds so bad, but it was, it was like, well, if someone gave you this gorgeous meal with a little bit of poop in it, would you really want to eat it? No, like that little bit would taint it. And it's the same thing if we like receive, you know, recommendations for nutrition, but we haven't healed those um, lies that we're believing or, you know, it can be like poop contaminating the recommendations, right? Sorry, guys. It really stuck in my mind. Well, we, we yeah, we <laughs> used to use that metaphor in Young Life too, but we, um, <laughs> we talked about a tray of brownies, like, hey, we have this tray of brownies. They're uh, made of myself. The only thing is, small detail here. <laughs> <laughs> may have not have washed my hands before, you know, I, I, after I went to the bathroom and before I made the brownies. So, um, so I think, and, and this, this is me speaking from a person who's like, who wants to follow all the rules. And so part of me, and I'm only speaking this for the, any other listener who might be thinking this of like, well, well, if, how can I trust anyone at all? Because this world is contaminated by sin. Um, but then I think about, okay, well, what does Jesus say about this? And he talks about like, beware the yeast of the Pharisees. And I feel like that's a very similar metaphor <laughs> of like a little bit of yeast leavens the whole lump. And so a lot of times so the disciples better. were really confused about that of like, what is he talking about? Did he not bring it? Like, did he bring food? You know, and he's not even talking about food. He's talking about being being aware of like these, like, you know, little deceptions, um, that can, that can really get to us and affect our whole lives. And so, yeah, it's just like, I think, yeah, the lessons like being, let's be fully aware of what we're receiving. Um, and is it, is it from the Lord <laughs> and having the scripture knowledge in our hearts so that we can be equipped for that. Um, and, and we can, not be worried about that because we know that the Holy Spirit, if we are praying and in the spirit, then we know that he equips us. Um, so grace covers a lot of, <laughs> grace covers a lot too. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Also, I'm thinking, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, how do I know where I individually need to go? That's where like working with someone like Alyssa one-on-one or someone um, or someone else, a dietitian, your, t- your treatment team, like that's where we you know, we be like discerning about who we're working with and we pray about those things, but then like trusting them um, and trusting whoever we've decided to sort of submit to as we're submitting to the Lord. Um, and and they can kind of walk us individually through maybe what the next step is, whether we need to heal some of those things. We have more to heal. Um we need to work on adequacy and consistency and we can have like specific recommendations from a provider for that um, or any of those facets that Alyssa talked about. So that's really great. And I'm wondering, Alyssa, do you have anything else that you or 
anything else you want to leave the listener with or any other um, verses? I know you gave us a bunch of really good verses just in preparing for the podcast that you want to leave them with. Sure. So I, I will leave, I'll leave you with one verse and then one other sort of theme that has been really key for me, I think in the last couple of years. So the verse that I really love when I talk about food and fellowship is Acts verses two um, or chapter two, verse 46, 47, um, where it says every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Mm. And I just love that food was part of that. I know food was not the entire thing, but I think it's sort of aligned with how I approach food. You know, like Mm -hmm. I want food to be part. I want food to be something that I can enjoy with a glad and sincere heart. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also just want it to be sort of a vehicle for mission or fellowship or communion. Like it's not the whole thing, but it is Mm -hmm. a, it's a great thing. And so I always think of that verse and I'm like, you know, I bet they didn't hate their food. (laughs) I bet they (laughs) didn't think that it was like, bad and harmful. Like I bet they just enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And so I love thinking about that when I'm talking about food. Um, I think it's just mm-hmm. really helpful. And then the other thing that I will say that is sort of a bit of a surprise, I think, when people start to heal their relationship with food and body image is just how important it is to slow down when you're doing that. <clears throat> I think Um, A hill that I will die on is simplicity and slowing. It's just, it's Mm -hmm. something that I never thought would be so central to how I live my life, but it's, it's really become a key component in the last couple of years. I just think, I think hurrying it, I think being hurried, I think being overly distracted, overly consumed with all of these different things is really a huge, huge barrier to healing your relationship with food and body image. Mm -hmm. And I get that there are a lot of people that that is just their reality. I mean, for various reasons, that's sort of par for the course. But if we're able to slowly take inventory of our time and our schedule and everything that we've been committed to, and we can simplify that and slow down a bit, I think that it is just incredibly, incredibly helpful and incredibly healing. And I think a lot of times when we're talking about building awareness and healing our relationship with food and body image, it's super, super hard to do that if you have no time to do that and you have no Mm -hmm. margin to kind of take care of yourself. So that's just a very small um, caveat, but it is becoming more and more important to me kind of as I continue on this process. Yes, absolutely. Ruthless elimination of hurry. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, yeah. Okay. So Alyssa, where can people continue to find you um, and connect with you? And would you also pray for the listeners? Yes. So people can find me on Instagram. It's at gratefully underscore nourish. Mm-hmm. And I have a website, gratefullynourished.co. And then there's the Gratefully Nourished podcast. Mm-hmm. So basically, if you Google Gratefully Nourished, you should find me. <laughs> um, 
I am taking a bit of a break because I'm expecting my first child soon, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I'll be back eventually. Um, and I can pray for us as well. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Um, Heavenly Father, we just we thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the humility of Aubrey and Casey for putting this out, um, for just following your prompting. Um, we thank you for the listeners, and we just pray that the, these words would be edifying, um, that they would just feel seen and understood and encouraged, and that you would use the words we've spoken to just plant seeds of life and recovery and healing. And we thank you and we praise you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Alyssa, for being on. Um, I think this conversation is really going to bless those who are listening. And so for everyone out there, until next time, may you rest in God's grace and follow his joy. Hey, thanks so much for listening. A very special thank you to all our podcast guests, along with Dwayne Goldbeck for podcast editing and Maddox Schuler for writing and recording our podcast music. 